Another episode in the bag, number four. Yes, and a, a good one. I really enjoyed that one, actually. I was pretty pumped at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, you were. You were up and about. No doubt about it. What are people going to learn about in this week's episode? Yeah, so we answer a question from a fan, actually. Can we say fan or listener? <laughs> from a fan. Um, about how many kids should we have? Um, they've got one and they're trying to decide whether, you know, what's the evidence around? Do yep. we have more kids or just stick with one? And um, we talk about that in detail and the movie Twins. Yeah, we talk about Twins. And yeah. a lot of what we talk, what what we basically do is Billy sets it up so there's 10 things to consider whether you're thinking of having one, more or many children. Um, it's, yeah, there for you to sort of think about. <laughs> Spoiler, there is, no, actually, no, no there is no magic number. <laughs> Hopefully that means you'll keep listening. <laughs> Should we re-record this bit? No, it's perfect. It's <laughs> okay. Perfect. Uh, we hope you really like it. We think it's a, a fun one this week. And, um, yeah, make sure you follow us on Pop Culture Parenting at Instagram or email us if you've got any topics or thoughts or anything you want us to sort of chat to. Uh, as, as Billy said, this was prompted by someone that said, can you help me answer this question? So we're happy to do it. Um, but, yeah, crack in. I hope you enjoy it. Hi. I'm Billy, a developmental paediatrician. And I'm Nick, a developing parent. We're going to use scenes from iconic movies to talk about how we best support our kids. This is Pop Culture Parenting. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath, she'll take it out on me. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. I don't want to see anybody else either. Who is your daddy? What does it do? Just use your best judgment to trust you. Welcome back, Billy. How are you? Yeah, good, Nick. How are you going? <laughs> Mate, I'm doing pretty well uh, good. this week. No major complaints. Um how are you after last week? A couple of people reached out, said good idea. Yeah, yeah. So it was really nice because people listening to the episode, which is obviously nice. Um, it's good to have listeners. Five stars. Go. But, yeah, <laughs> but a few people bumped into me and um, after saying I was uh, struggling a little bit, said, you know, Janet at hand, hope you're okay. I just thought that was that was really cool. It was really nice to hear that. Yeah, that's nice. Mm. It is good when people reach out. You have a lot on your plate. Yes, but I can't play the violin too loudly because it's all stuff that I chose to put on my plate and I enjoy it. And, um, mate, you've got a lot on your plate and twice as many kids as me. Mate, wouldn't give up this podcast for quids. (laughs) Yes. Our partners (laughs) might wish we would. Well, yeah, I know. They've just got to get on board. Could go anywhere. Um, No, actually, it has been a good week. I um, I might crack on with my Winslow to start with anyway because it was such a good week. I don't object to fun. I love fun. In fact, I'm the grand funk master of fun. I had a really clear Winslow this week. Nice. I um, We consolidated two children into one bedroom, creating more space in the house for play in the other room or whatever. Yep. <laughs> and and built a bunk in the meantime um, to do that. So built a bunk, <laughs> which doesn't make sense because I have a one-year-old, so they're not going to be in it for th- two years, three years, whatever guidance is, I'll follow. <laughs> I won't do anything wrong. <laughs> I'll follow guidance. But it now means that when when said small child's allowed to go into the bottom bunk, they can. But the big child is now, they have names, um, Winifred is now in the bunk with nothing above, not sleeping above her, and the other one's in a cot. So the room's pretty pokey. We had to make a few changes, but it's a win because now we have a spare room. Yeah, I remember you saying, like, we actually don't spend, as kids, much time in our room, so... <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous because I got a two bedroom place and planning on having lots and lots of kids. Into to the episode topic, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. Like it's you know mm-hmm. it's a bit of a waste of space, and I can't believe she chose bottom bunk. Yeah, well, we've removed the ladder because <laughs> there was a ladder attached, and the smallest child was trying to race up it before it was built, and I was like, <laughs> this, 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 this is an absolute Clark W. Griswold waiting to happen here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's that's a certain type of terror when you wake up through the night falling off the top bunk. Well, yeah, I think it is. The and of course, you know, night three, someone's already falling out of the bed. So sticking oh tip. <laughs> tip. Stick a pool noodle underneath the sheet, the fitted sheet, on the edge where the child can roll out and they don't ah, Yeah, nice. it's like a speed bump. Yeah, wow. That is a great tip. There you go. Yeah. Wow. What about you? Any wins? Yes, I have had a, a win actually. So just been um, a bit more running, a little bit less wine. Ooh. So yes, new year, new you, Billy. Yes, because it's almost like a barometer of how my week is going. Mm-hmm. How little running I do and <laughs> more wine usually means too much on my plate that I'm not keeping my head above water. But I've been getting out for more runs and yeah, not uh, having you know too much of the stuff that's not great like red mm. wine. So yeah. yeah, which is a definite win for me. That's good. Fantastic. Um, for every win, there can be a loss, though, and I've got one for you this week. So my, I have a Griswold hey, moment. Don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. <laughs> I have a Griswold. It always darkens the mood a bit when I go to the Griswold because it wasn't a great one. I have this tendency that I'm not proud of in the afternoons where I'll be sitting with my daughter and there'll be like a, you know, like a, we don't agree on something and I'll be like, oh, I think you're tired. And it's like my retort to like, mm. oh, maybe you should go to your room or go to bed. And it's not unfounded if they're acting out. I'm like, oh, maybe they are tired, but sometimes I use it when I shouldn't. And I feel pretty – I don't mean to. I just in the moment sometimes go, oh, are, you, are you a bit tired? And it to kind of calm – it doesn't calm them at all. It's the stupidest thing I ever do. And I feel like this seven-year-old talking to a three-year-old like – yeah. I feel like, I, frankly, I, I can't believe it. I feel like shit when I do it. And I'm like, oh, you're tired. And they're like, no, I'm not. You just sort of, yeah. I feel bad saying it. I feel ordinary. And it's not founded. It's funny, isn't it, how the things we're comfortable saying to family that we'd never say to a friend or someone external. Mm-hmm. And once again, like we're going to talk about that stuff today with siblings. Yep. But, yeah, I think that... Yeah, it must feel pretty crummy to be doing that, but you can kind of understand where it's coming from because you're probably frustrated. Yeah, and again, it's often at the end of maybe yeah. 10 minutes of something else ahead of it. I don't go there straight away, but then I say it and I'm like, oh, God. And it's really, yeah, crappy. so D- Dan Siegel, listeners might know, is this kind of mm. amazing clinician and researcher who talks about kind of your upper and lower brain and your lower brain's all the emotional stuff and your upper brain is all your reasoning. And he talks about how you often like, end of the day you're stressed you're tired whatever you kind of lose access to that upper brain and that's probably your lower brain going i think you're tired or, oh. you know is it time for bed is it possible yeah oh, <laughs> exactly what i do yeah i remember hearing lots of it's time for bed growing up yeah and you see why yeah i'm wondering if i have any upper brain <laughs> definitely do definitely do but it's just sometimes you can't get to it and it's it's not a voluntary thing what about you any Griswolds? 
Yeah, so it's quite funny because I was thinking about this um, and it's really good being able to reflect on how you're parenting and it definitely helps me think about things but it's been quite funny because my daughter is now eight months and I see a lot of families in clinic where they kind of have a quite a strong personality child, usually a bit older than eight months, who's kind of controlling their environment really well, a little Ooh. bit too well. And I've noticed over the last week that my daughter, Yvette, anytime I come in the room, she kind of grizzles to be picked up and I asked my partner does this have happened to you and she said no so Yvette has kind of trained me now that anytime (laughs) she sees me and it's even happening at daycare so I can see her in daycare she's really happy either playing with you know a toy or on the lap of an educator or something and um, sees me and grizzles to be picked up so Mm. developmental pediatrician has fallen into one of the oldest traps in the book. just (laughs) runs over and just starts eating it up. (laughs) So yeah I um, might have to either sit on the wait list for one of my clinics or (laughs) start um, start dealing with it. Yeah yeah so so yeah that's my um, my Griswold this week. Well I've got to say I'm impressed that you're conscious of it like I don't even get to that point where I'd realise it's happening. But yeah. I suppose all this, we are focused on because each week we're going to come in here and say, oh, we tried that and it worked. So you've got to be conscious of no, it. No, definitely. We want to hear from listeners like where things became tough that we've suggested because we want to break it down and have a look more closely at it than just kind of, here yeah. it is, sort it out, never talk about it again. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's not a piece that I've found, that it's not just something you hear once and then it all goes away and solves itself. It's actually. No, long game. All this stuff's the long game. but does pay off. Does pay off. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yep. good. That's good. Oh, good. We'll keep listening. I'll keep talking. <laughs> People will keep listening to you. <laughs> oh, no to good. both of us. Oh, you've taught me a lot about parenting already. Well, yeah. I bring in a lot of examples. Of <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got great perspectives as Nick, well. Nick, you're an interesting <laughs> study in parenting. That's what I heard then, mate. That's what no, I heard. No, not at all. You've got some great attitudes. And listeners have already been saying that. It's... um. Yeah, it's been really nice to hear people saying that, you know, they've wanted to hear more from you in the feedback and um, that's why I think, yeah, we, it's been really good to hear your voice coming through more as a parent. Yeah, I think um, they like to feel better about where they're at with their parenting. So, yeah, good. I'm glad. Really happy for everyone. It's, it's come. No, you're just justifying Macca's car park <laughs> downtime. I'm justifying a lot of behaviour. No, I'm not. Um, Billy, this week though, what are we going to be talking about? Yeah, so we're talking about siblings and kind of how many kids uh, should we have, which I guess is a question a lot of parents ask themselves early on in the piece. Yeah, okay. The reason is because it was our first question from a listener. We want to show that we listen to our listeners. Yeah, it's absolutely true. This one came via Instagram. Someone said, "Can I'll give the context. Someone said, I think I've got the context right. They said, "Um, we have a kid and we're tossing up where they're having another one. And basically, they certainly haven't left it. We're, we're just going to play a few things out for people to consider when doing it. I think that's the idea today. Yep. I don't think there's a magic number, unless there is. No, 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 no magic numbers. <laughs> no magic number, but the things to consider around it. So they're thinking about having another one. Um, and some people might just be thinking about having the first one. Or yep. some people might be thinking about having the eighth one. So, But all of these <laughs> things come into consideration, I think. Yeah, definitely. And... Uh, Kind of went back and forth about what movie we'd use a fair bit, but landed on uh, 
classic, I think, 1988 movie, Twins. Twins, yep. So it, Arnie's back in the mix. Arnie Arnie can't get away. James Cameron and Arnie, uh, yeah, they've got us in their crosshairs. Um, yep. He's back. But Ian Reitman, uh, Ian Reitman did the film, Danny DeVito. Oh, yeah. Some great cameos in there. I tested you on one earlier you didn't get. For those of you that haven't seen it, you've got a little bit of David Caruso as well, the parking attendant. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What was he, the sunglasses guy from yeah, was, um, uh, CSI? <laughs> CSI Miami. Miami, yeah. 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 But also uh, in my Petty Blue. Um, and then Kelly Preston, uh, who was in Jerry Maguire. That's what I could remember. Yeah, married John Travolta. Married John Travolta, yeah. Married John Travolta as well, yep. Um, and uh, the one you didn't get, there is a very young Heather Graham. Yeah, I didn't see that again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Opening scene. Yeah. Sort of like the dreamy sequence where they're like, yeah, yeah, the child scene. And there's a chance that not many people have seen this movie, so I wonder if we should just do a bit of a synopsis. It was a huge movie, so <laughs> made over $200 million back in the day and actually highest, uh, the highest paycheck for both Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito because they took a percentage cut instead uh, of a paycheck uh, and the people behind it didn't realise how successful it was going to be and thought, this is a safe bet, it'll just give them a cut. And it was a box office hit. Yeah, and it wasn't a lot of action. It wasn't tons of production. Like it was, um, it was re- interesting rewatching it. Feel like they were just shooting a lot of scenes on the street. In a lot of, did you get that vibe? Yeah, that's true. Actually, I think they just loved showing Arnie's calves off. He's wearing shorts in <laughs> every shorts. single shot. <laughs> shorts, <laughs> shorts, and a suit jacket. He's either wearing shorts <laughs> and a suit jacket or no top. <laughs> Yeah, God, he looks great. In he this does. Movie. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's really interesting. So the reason I picked that is because it's actually a movie about having a sibling. Mm-hmm. And um, for people who don't know, what kind of happens is they are part of a genetic experiment. So they get like the best men um, and put them all together and say we're going to use their genes from the toughest and strongest and smartest men. And then Heather Graham, it turns out, is this you know young, lovely woman and, and they accidentally have twins. Mm. And so Arnie is the bigger baby, so they take him off and say we're going to do everything perfect with you and they say to Danny DeVito, you're too little or whatever, we're going to send you to the orphanage. And the movie comes to play when they learn about that each other exists as adults and find each other. Yeah, and Arnie's sent off to literal paradise, like off Mm. Tahiti and brought up in this incredibly closed but very controlled intellectual environment where he learns about science and theory and all the... And karate or something. And karate, martial arts, so all the theory in the world and and complete lack of... A lot of social engagement, but he's yeah mm. in, a, in a bit of a vacuum himself there. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, <laughs> Danny grows up in LA because it's the eighties and it's a Hollywood movie, and so it's set there. It's kind of like Beverly Hills. Got it's like shot everywhere in California. Yeah. It's just everywhere. Yeah. 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 So yeah, Danny DeVito's great in it. But yeah, so that's a a really good opportunity for us to we've got a good scene from it, but talk in general about kind of siblings and what it means for childhood development. Brilliant. Fantastic. Now. Today, you've got a list of 10 things to consider. There's a bit. Yeah, we'll a bit. See, see how my memory goes. But um, yep. yeah, there's a bit. I took a bit of a deep dive with this one because uh, I thought I need to do service to the listener who asked mm-hmm. the question. And yeah, there's a lot of research out there. And um, as you know, spoiler alert, there's no perfect number of kids to have. But <laughs> I think what you, as you mentioned, we're going to kind of talk about the things to consider mm-hmm. when you're having these conversations. So something that like you could share this with your partner and they could listen to it and also 
give it five stars. No, but <laughs> to, yeah, to, but to, I also think it's helpful. Think about. Yeah, about people that might have an only child and that's their plan. Yep. we've got some good stuff there, and yep. also if you've got two or more kids, some really good stuff to really support their emotional and social development. Awesome. Crack on. Give me, give me, give me your first bit. Yeah. So I guess the historical context of this is really important. Um, we know that kind of. The fertility rate is how many kids uh, a woman will have in her lifetime, mm-hmm. and that's actually been dropping over time. Mm-hmm. So back uh, 60 years ago, uh, the average woman would have three to four children, so three and a half. Um, and recently in Australia and worldwide, it sits at about one and a half. So it's a really significant drop, and we mm. know a lot of the reasons around that are you know, just cultural changes, but mm-hmm. it's really interesting to think about there's um, – a higher likelihood today compared to a couple of decades ago that um, single children will exist in families. Yep. So that's understandable. And we also know that kind of households as a rule are getting smaller. So average household kind of 100 years ago was four to five people living in that house. And now it's two to three because there's a lot of people living on their own or couples that don't have children. So we're yep. hoping that people listen that you know find this stuff interesting that don't have children. But it's interesting to think about just us as individuals having smaller groups of people around us where we live. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's a really interesting part of it. Um, and also siblings are a really important part of social and emotional development. Mm-hmm. We know relationships and opportunities to interact with others is really important. And when you think about it, kind of you have your parents, yep. you have non-parental adults, you've got peers, so siblings, you know, kids older than you, kids younger than you. Mm-hmm. But then you have brothers and sisters and they're probably the most intense relationship that you'll ever have in your life <laughs> in terms of how much time, how intense it is, yep. learning how to push each other's buttons, and then how long you know that person for. Often if you include adult life, you'll know them longer than you'll know anyone else in your life. So it's a really amazing opportunity to have oh. a really positive, strong relationship with someone. Yeah, I don't really think about that, mm. that you're going to know them the longest, obviously. Yeah. yeah, my brothers and sisters, I've known since day dot. Yeah, mm. yeah, and so they'll know like intimate details about you and that can be a positive because they can kind of pick up, you know, cues that you're struggling or reinforce things that are important to you and help you out, but they also probably know how to get under your skin. My, and brother, <laughs> my brother came over the other day and I did something and he goes, oh, look at you, your nose, I can tell something's wrong, look at your nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my partner's sitting there who, <laughs> I've known Henry, I mean, yeah, known Henry for about eight years, and she hasn't doesn't know my brother where we live interstate and stuff. And she just sort of looks at him and looks at me, and like he just gives up these tells on me, and I'm like, "What, <laughs> what are you doing?" Yeah. And he just goes, "Oh, I can see it. Look at that nose; it's turning up." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah." So they, they yeah, they, they know a, everything about you. Yeah, it's a really good example of that, actually. So, <laughs> yeah, and so it's kind of it's really interesting to think about that. Um, you know, how many brothers or sisters or if you have any and how yeah. that impacts development. The, um, the cultural influence is really important as mm. well. So we've got to remember that where most of the research was done in Caucasian families in the US and the UK, there's a lot of cultural differences around the world. A big example of that is one-child policy in China for 40 yeah, years, um, which yep. ended 2014 or 15. Um, okay. And that had a big impact on the research findings. So... Um, you know, those some of the research out of China is really interesting, but a lot of what we're going to be talking about is um, from the UK and the US, yeah, so okay. kind of Caucasian families. Yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, I guess kind of there's lots of different things we can go through about this. 
One of the biggest things that's kind of important through childhood development is kind of dealing with conflict and social mm-hmm. relationships. And there's really good opportunities to experience that if you've mm-hmm. got a brother or sister. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about experiencing it as a brother or sister is a lot of the time it's kind of practice for the real world. So you've got a parent that supports you. You kind of your kids are, you know, driving each other crazy. If you're able to, you can go in and kind of help them have, you know, conflict resolution skills. So kind of yep. go, you know, think about that other person or whatever. And then you go into the real world and it's a bit harder to do because you don't have a parent supporting you, you know, all of those you don't with friends or colleagues at work, you have to kind of keep the harmony. Whereas, you know, brothers and sisters are generally, you know, that will resolve over time because you've got a parent scaffolding it back and all those things. Mm. So it's a really cool opportunity to learn those things and kind of think about, you know, this is a real training ground for me learning how I can kind of practice, you know, getting in fights or picking up other people's emotions or knowing that nose thing in that person means (laughs) that, you know, they're uh, stressed or they're getting annoyed. Okay, good. I like that one. Yeah. It's interesting as well when you look at whether you've got an older sibling or a younger sibling and an older sibling is a really cool opportunity for a positive role model that's out ahead of you and they kind of often, you know, uh, great role models and kind of someone to look up to. There's a risk in it as well though that an older child who's kind of say going through those risk-taking years of kind of 15, 16 years of age, if you've got a younger sibling who looks up to them and they're kind of going off the rails a bit, it can be a little bit earlier than that child would normally be exposed oh. to that environment, especially if they got peers that are kind of, you know, a little bit antisocial as well. So they can be protective, they like shelter, but they can also, you know, be sometimes a bad influence. Okay, sorry, I'm a bit caught on that there's risk-taking at 15 and 16 that I hadn't even anticipated, but all right. Yeah, <laughs> it's all making what sense. were you like at God, 15 and 16? Okay, let's just move on. I was on a, I was on definitely off the tracks. Oh, really? Yes, yes. So we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> we're going to move past that when one. When we get to um, <laughs> dealing with teenagers going off the tracks, I'm going to have a lot of uh, personal stuff to okay. share. Okay, you bring a lot, so. to you, bring a lot of yourself <laughs> to that podcast. So if anyone Ooh. wants to hear about that stuff, let us know. <laughs> Please ask. Um, it's my favourite topic, talking about myself. <laughs> um, so, to, so then what, what about if you've got a younger kid? What does that mean for that child? Yep. That's a really cool opportunity to have reinforcement of caring, you know, skills that you demonstrate. And I'm sure I've seen you do this with Freddie. Like she, your eldest is really beautiful with Ronnie mm-hmm. and I see you reinforce that. And so okay. a big part of Freddie's self-esteem is I'm a caring person because I get mm. lots of opportunities to do it with my younger sibling. Mum and dad praise me for it when I do it and I feel good about myself. So I should keep doing it? Totally, totally. It's one of the many things you're knocking out of the park. Okay. So the risk is that I see a lot of families in clinic when second child comes along and the toddler is like, this isn't cool. Who's this little baby coming in that's stealing my spotlight? I used to get all the time. Now I get not not much time. Yep. And behavioral problems will escalate around then. And that's kind of a, a common thing that we see in that cohort is that everything was going cool. And to be honest, they're often the older sibling that struggles like that is often has a sensitive temperament, so kind of heightened emotions. And that's actually mm-hmm. a cool thing in kids. I love kids that are sensitive and we'll do a topic, a podcast on that too. But a sensitive kid will often struggle when their next child comes into play 
because they kind of go, this is, you know, challenging my role in this family. Yeah, okay. I'm just thinking back to that. <laughs> when I brought home my second daughter, I remember Winifred was staying at Grandma's and Grandma came over with Winifred and I hadn't expected her and I was holding Veronica and answered the front door and I <laughs> felt like I was caught in the act of like yeah. parenting. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Winifred, I wasn't expecting you. <laughs> and, and she was like, shell-shocked. Like, and I was like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. And then, yeah, I felt like I, yeah, it was heavy. <laughs> and how did it go? Fine after that. We did like, so a lot of the lead-up stuff of like, hey, oh, big sister, you're going to be a big sister, and did all the length, like, look, you know, baby mummy's tummy and pictures and all those things. And then, you know, look, see, you know, the two kids over here, you know, they're, they're na- our neighbours, you know, you'd be like, look, they're older sister, younger sister, that's how they work. So just a lot of context. Try to give context along the way, I think. Yeah. And also got cousins that are like four and six. So you could be like, look, that's what you're going to be to that, you know. So, yeah. So it's, it was – I was lucky. I had all those supports around. So she was pretty smooth. It was pretty smooth. But it was yeah. also in the middle of a pandemic and uh, there was a bit else going on. So yeah. it was other things to focus on. <laughs> Beautiful uh, use of evidence-based practice without knowing it because uh, the evidence shows that to make that a smoother transition of another child coming in, especially with a sensitive older child, mm. the narrative in the lead-up is really important. Okay. And what you can do is there's this thing called theory of mind, which is me sitting here and being able to go, I can kind of get an idea of what Nick's thinking about Mm because this is, you know, he's another person, he has thoughts and feelings. And what you can do with a second child or third child or whatever coming along Mm -hmm. is start talking about that baby that's coming and their feelings. And what do you think they'll be like? And do you think they'll be happy? Do you think they'll like this part of the house? I think they're going to love having an older brother or sister. Yeah, did that bit, yep. So that's what you've done really well. And we know siblings as a rule really benefit kids learning theory of mind. And kids who have older brothers or sisters will actually show us often that they pick up theory of mind a bit earlier. So they're a bit better at kind of going that other person has thoughts and feelings a bit sooner. And it's a really important part of social development is learning kind of empathy mm. and that person's perspective is is really valuable. Yeah, I should probably give a little bit of context here. Like I obviously didn't read the books to discuss and do this. I saw it being modelled by my partner about, oh, you know, here comes the kid. Yeah. So I didn't – I wasn't ahead of the curve on this one. So it was a lot of her doing and me going, oh, yeah, let's do that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so women are often better at it, which probably segues beautifully into our next point. We'll go. Which is that I remember saying to you uh, before my daughter was born and we didn't know what we were having and I was not that quietly gunning for a girl, partially because of one thing you said to me that you said, I think it's good if the oldest is a girl because they kind of seem more mature, like not to put words in your mouth, but that's what you're saying. They're kind of good at looking after the younger ones. Yeah, yeah. My my own experience was that I had a, a much older sister who was just amazing. So she... She was eight years older than me, towards eight years older than me, and she just – I was in a busy house. So I'm the youngest of five. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about siblings. And my sister was eight years older, so mm. she did a lot of um, – it was a busy house. So mum was juggling uh, 10, 9, 8, 5, and then me at one day old. Um, and my sister was just really – yeah, caring and, and yeah. did a lot of things for me. Like every, even through like primary school, helping me with projects and high school, helping me with pro- like she was yeah, amazing. So I always thought that, oh, having an older 
having an older girl would be helpful and then, yeah, have that caring, nurturing side as well. Yeah, definitely. The research shows that siblings, so when they kind of talk to kids, it's quite funny, when they talk Mm. to kids about how do you feel about your brother or sister, often (laughs) researchers use puppets. So they kind of, instead of going... (laughs) What, how do you feel about having an older brother or sister with like lab coat and spectacles on? They, you know, in a clipboard and the kid's like sitting there going, what is this about? <laughs> they often get puppets and kind of hide the researcher. So the researcher's like under a table, maybe still wearing the lab coat or something, but has the puppets up on the table and is like, you know, hi, Samantha. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I'm imagining you in this professional <laughs> setting. In the rooms, and you're like, excuse me, while I throw a character. <laughs> yeah, like doing the scene. And, scene. <laughs> and Billy's back. Uh, yes. But yeah, so they have like one puppet that's like, you know, hi, Samantha. I really like sharing with my brother. And then the other puppet is like, hi, Samantha. I really don't like sharing with my brother. Well, they sound grumpy. Go on. How do you feel about <laughs> sharing? And then it gives Samantha an opportunity to say, yeah, I'm, I love sharing or yep. actually it really annoys me. And so interestingly, kids are more likely to say they've got a positive experience mm-hmm. with siblings if the other sibling is uh, a female, which is really oh. cool to think about. So, okay. And that cool. probably talks to that kind of warmth and caring that you're talking about. doesn't mean boys are doomed. It's just we've no. got to be a bit more careful at reinforcing some of that caring behaviour okay, in yep. little boys as they're coming up. Yep, yep. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that's a really cool bit of it. Um, yeah, so the the sisters is a really powerful bit. There's also kind of this part of development that's really important, which is pretend play. And pretend play is kind of pretending someone's on the phone or my partner does this really funny thing in the mornings when she's up pretty early um, doing long shifts at work and she kind of sits around and sets up all the dolls as like a tea party while she's having her coffee. And my daughter's like sitting there with her. Yeah, it's really cute, but it's quite funny because it's – you know, Yvette is way, it's way too soon for her to learn pretend play. So all Yvette wants is the actual coffee because she's like, I can tell that's the one that matters, not these like Fake this other junk with nothing in it. Um, but kids who have siblings often pick up pretend play sooner. They often can do it for longer and there's more complexity to it because they've got an older sibling who's kind of role modeling it a bit more, just like Annalise is for my daughter. They've got older siblings that are kind of doing pretend play stuff and it's a it's a really interesting development bit. So, But it doesn't mean if you've got an only kid, they're going to struggle with that. It's just that mm. you do what Annalise is doing, you, you do pretend play activities um, with the child because they'll have less exposure though if they don't have older siblings. So, yeah, that's a kind of cool bit that I, I think. I like that one. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Interesting. I guess we kind of haven't spoken much about only kids and like what it's like to be an only child. Mm. And there's actually a lot of really positive stuff about being an only child. Yeah. One of the reasons that there's a lot of positive stuff about being an only child is a thing called resource dilution. And what that means is like whether you're a single parent or you're sharing parenting, Mm -hmm. there's only so much time in a day and there's only so much energy you have. The more kids you have, the more you're spreading that time and energy. So only kids are going to get a lot of energy from you and attention and focus, which can be a good thing actually. And we see that, only children often um, do better academically as a general rule. So it's not like a set in stone thing, but they often okay. kind of do better academically. And interestingly, they score higher on kind of leadership metrics. So mm. they're more likely to kind of have Where's leadership the, how skills. How does that work? Yeah, so I think it's they get kind of more scaffolding and reinforcement around them because they're not competing for attention. Um, and so they kind of get that opportunity of kind of, kind of almost like mentoring from a parent a bit more. 
So I think that's kind of where the research sits around that. But, you know. They'd have more mature conversations. Yeah. So they're often more mature, Mm. which is a really good point. They often kind of hit maturity earlier. And I think it's because not just their parents, but they're more likely to have relationships with adults or more likely to value them even if they don't have more relationships because they don't have siblings that they're kind of, you know, leaning into. Switching gears and talking to about baby things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess one other thing, because I feel like, you know, listeners have heard me talk about lots of stuff, but one other thing is kind of this really interesting thing about self-talk. And I don't know if you know what self-talk is. It's yeah. like pretty much talking to yourself. It's kind of it, in the title. Yeah. I was about to say, have you spoken to myself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plenty in here. Yeah, go on. So it's a really interesting thing, self-talk, and it kind of, we'll do an episode on ET and imaginary friends because it's a really cool topic. But self-talk <laughs> is a little bit similar in that it's this really interesting part of development that everyone has a different kind of element of where you kind of will assess what you're doing in with your internal monologue and mm-hmm. you'll be like, cool, that was a bit awkward, you know, I said you too when the person said have a nice meal or whatever and you kind of beat yourself up. But you also kind of pat yourself on the back and you go, geez, that was awesome, I did that really well, you know. And kids who don't have siblings actually will report that they have more self-talk and it can be a really good skill, self-talk, to learn self-regulation. So kind of calming yourself down and kind of, you know, making sure you as much as possible are able to control your emotions and not let them impact your external kind of behaviour or environment. And okay. for some reason, siblings uh, have a report less kind of self-talk. Okay. So that really interesting. But that's heaps of stuff. And the most important thing before we get into kind of twins and the movie and kind of looking at this a bit more practically and how do we do it is yep. that having a brother or sister or not doesn't exist in a vacuum. So mm-hmm. it can be a really positive thing to have brothers and sisters. It can also be a really negative thing, but they're not the only predictors of how kids go with their social emotion development. What are the other Probably predictors? Probably the biggest one is how they're parented. So, And that's what this whole podcast is about is how do we parent. But there's also lots of other things that predict it, you know, kind of – What's the cultural significance? What, how, yep. do, you know, how supported are they? How engaged are they in community traditions? Do they play sport? Are they an active participant in a peer group? All of that stuff. And so those things are really important. And the answer is not just, yes, I will have an only child that I can focus heaps on, or no, I want them to have lots of opportunity for, you know, social relationship development so I'm going to have other kids. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I guess, something that sort of maths in my head, it's like, you definitely have one child, but I'm thinking practically like do other stuff like play sports or join clubs as well so they do get the extra social engagement. Is that kind of, yeah. I don't definitely, know. yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that because I think that's a really important thing that um, both Arnie and Danny DeVito missed out on. Yep, okay. So we have given the rundown on the movie at the start of this. So we're just going to play the scene now. It's going to be available on our Instagram as well. So at Pop Culture Parenting. Um, so go there and watch it. Yep. Um, but here is the scene. Here's the audio now. My life just got flushed down the toilet. No, Vincent. Your life is just about to begin. I'm genetic garbage. We are twins. We are basically the same. Julius, I know this is a very touchy subject for you, but we don't look the same, we don't act the same, we don't talk the same, we don't dress the same. I know. So if we're so much the same, how come we're so goddamn different? We had six fathers. We're different parts of a lot of different people. 
Yeah? And don't forget, I was taken to a beautiful island. I was loved. I was protected, educated. You had nobody, Vincent. Nobody to love you, to trust you, to encourage you. I mean, all life taught you was that the only person you could count on was yourself. See, Vincent, you're the missing part of my life. And, and I'm the missing part of your life. And when we find Mama, we can fill the missing part of hers. We won't be alone anymore. We can be a, a family. A family? Yes. You mean like with a Christmas tree and Thanksgiving dinner? In a real home where you'll always be welcome. Always? Even when you've been bad. There it is. What a scene. So I, I reckon Twins was so successful because there's a gag in it that one of them's little and one of them's big mm. and how are they twins. But I actually think it's how sensitive each of the characters are that is the reason it worked. I, when I listened to that scene, I've watched the whole film, that Arnie, he is so gentle in that scene. Mm. It's unbelievable. And yeah. he is one of the biggest action heroes in the world at that stage. Yeah. And he's so gentle. I don't know what it is. I just am like, wow. Yeah, he was actually really good at comedy as well. And this was one of the first comedies they put him in because he'd kind of gone through Terminator and all those like action movies. But And Arnie had a really interesting life and I reckon his sensitivity probably came from it. That, you know, he kind of oh, really? came up pretty tough, you know, hard life. He was into bodybuilding when like it was not a cool thing to be doing. Yep. Um, his dad wanted him to be a policeman, I think, and wasn't very happy with him and kind mm. of actually preferred one of his siblings. So he, Arnie, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger had, I think, an older brother that was like the favourite really? and often talks about kind of the conflict that he had with his dad because of that. Um, wow. And so probably a lot of Arnie's resilience and, you know, God, what a life he's lived. And I think his sensitivity as an actor comes through and same as Danny DeVito in this movie and you can kind of, they're so good at portraying that part. The beautiful thing about this scene is so many beautiful bits about it. Hopefully I haven't said beautiful too many times. No, you only about three, it's fine. Keep going, <laughs> keep going. you got plenty in the bank, go. And how's the classic like 80s piano that comes in it's, at the rapper? It's just like, yeah, it really gets you, doesn't it? It tugs does. something on heartstrings. It really does. Yeah, so this is what's happened in the movie here, just to set the context, is that Danny DeVito's kind of just found out that he was the dud and he was cast off to the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And Arnie is kind of coming in and saying, you, you've got me though and you're the missing part in my life. And we've seen kind of all the bits that Arnie and um, Danny DeVito have missed out on mm. in not having a sibling. So yep. Arnie's kind of, as you mentioned, been on the paradise. He's learned all the philosophy and all those things. But he kind of gets to LA <laughs> to find Danny DeVito and doesn't realise he's getting robbed, doesn't understand sarcasm, doesn't understand when anyone's aggressive and yep. all the stuff we spoke about, about the opportunities siblings give you, he's mm. missed all of them. Yep. Because he lived on an island, he wasn't around other kids or anything mm-hmm. as well. Danny DeVito, interestingly, was sent to an orphanage 
And he's this really kind of callous guy now because he mm-hmm. hasn't had positive relationships. And the research out of kids that have, you know, decades ago been in orphanages where they got food and they got warmth and stuff, but they yep. really struggled with their development, had a lot of mental health problems, is because of how important all the stuff we do with our kids is that isn't just feeding them and making sure they've got a roof okay. over their head. Yep. Danny DeVito's missed that. So he's really antisocial, he's a petty criminal, he kind of cheats on his partner, doesn't have any friends in his life and is kind of getting beaten up a lot by goons mm. because he hasn't had that opportunity. And we see now is this scene is where they connect and they kind of realise that unconditional relationship they've got. And Arnie has this beautiful thing that he says where he goes, even when we you've been bad... bad. So that is like the key of how important families are. They are the most important when you as a child are drowning and you're in trouble and you've got kicked out of school, you know, everything's gone, the worst day you've ever had and your family's unconditionally there for you. That was amazing. That scene, I've watched that three times and that line is -hmm. just fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. So it's really beautiful and I have to kind of commend, you know, I'm sure the writers were thinking about it. I think that happens by accident. But what they've shown is the beautiful opportunity that having a brother or sister provides. And even though these guys are adults now and haven't been a part of each other's lives, they're kind of connecting and seeing the opportunities. And we've seen, you know, Arnie is a really sensitive person and he's kind of putting everything on the line for Danny DeVito. And Danny DeVito kind of loses his callousness and he kind of becomes selfless for Arnie later in the movie because of this connection that he's had. So he's learnt the importance of kind of companionship through the interactions he's had with Arnie in this movie. And it's a beautiful example of the positive element that a brother or sister can have on you. Yeah, the character does really turn around quickly in a 94-minute film, which is, you know, (laughs) by the way, reviewing this, so good. I love the 80s. That was so fast in the films. Yes. They pack it all in. Yeah, yeah, much shorter movies. But it was a... Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of good things about this flick, but I reckon that scene just captures kind of what we've just spoken about for, you know, the better part of 35, 40 minutes yep. um, in a practical way that says this is this is the good bit. Yeah, so for a parent at home, though, how does that kind of scene relate or how can we talk to or think about things with siblings and having more kids? So how does that kind of work into it? So relationship trumps everything. The relationship okay. that, you know, your two daughters have with each other, mm-hmm. that's the powerful bit. And yep. find the goods that are, you know, you guys are unconditionally there for each other. We're all unconditionally here for each other. You guys, you know, can have conflict and all those things. But depending on the age, so, you know, you've got two younger kids that mm-hmm. are brothers, you know, that are sisters. You support them a lot. You yep. go in a lot and support them. So when they're snatching something out of each other's hands, you go in and go, hey, 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 you guys you're really important to each other and, you know, you guys are really good at kind of being kind to each other and thinking about the other person and, you know, that might upset Ronnie if you kind of take that. Yep. And you're giving Freddie the opportunity to think about that and Freddie's this beautiful role model of the importance of the relationship they have with each other because she's really good at it and you've kind of set that up. Older kids, you know, especially kind of teenagers that are going off the rails a bit, you kind of reinforce the relationship and that's what Arnie says at the end is that, even if you've really been bad and done something wrong, the relationship trumps everything. Yeah. And that's what the power of families as a whole, but especially siblings, is that, you know, I've gone through the bits with you, 
that know that we fight and we have conflicts and all those things, but this is a safe relationship. We'll always come back to each other. And I think that's what, you know, is the practical bit about this. Reinforce that as a parent. You know, that's the best opportunity that you can give siblings to have a positive relationship and have a really good contribution to their social and emotional development. So relationship trumps all. That's a really good North Star. Mm. So I can think about that. I can be like building this relationship and fostering it's everything. And you could kind of think about it actually trumps your relationship with your kids. So you kind of your yeah, girls, f- yeah. So we know they're gonna they're gonna have a much more intense relationship with each other than you will. A lot longer. A lot longer. So how how do you protect that and reinforce that being a positive thing? And are there any like steps to doing that practically? So I understand like the North Star of what we're aiming at relationship wise. Mm. Is there anything that you can't be mindful of? Yeah, set it up. So yep. set it up, get them together, get them doing stuff, you know, give the oldest opportunities to be caring and warm and mm. supportive to youngest, give your youngest opportunities to kind of, you know, stretch and thrive because of interacting with well, your oldest. So kind of because you scaffold it and i think what what a lot happens a lot of the time with people who have lots of kids is they kind of go cool they're both playing well i'm going to go now and sort everything out i need to do i'm going to do that long list of jobs and then what happens is when they fight you go in and you go i mean i got to break up this conflict that they're having but actually if you can find the time to just reinforce the good stuff they're doing together and go and you guys have got such a good relationship and be really practical about it. Don't kind of vaguely say, you guys are, you know, so great together. But say, wow, you're, you're so good at kind of doing puzzles together or you're so good at doing this together. Or, you know, the older kids, you know, you can say, I really like how you comforted your younger sister because, you know, she had a tough day at school and it was really cool how you went into her. And I'm really impressed that you you know, have that ability to think about her feelings and then go in and support her and check in on her. And the same kind of with an older sibling, like it's really cool how you look up to your older brother and, you know, I think he's a really good person but I know he really admires, you know, how much you look up to him and, you know, those type of things. So be really practical about reinforcing the relationship. Okay. And <clears throat> thinking, I've got a curly one for you. That's mm, what I'm going to do. So in the absence of a sibling, yeah, yeah, really important bit. So this is the important part. So we're not we're not we're not advocating. You got to have two to do this. You got one kid. Yeah, happy as a clam. Yeah. One and done. Beautiful. Yeah. How do you model this? So you don't have to have a sibling to have opportunities to build positive relationships, and as much as it can be kind of close in age. So one thing we didn't talk about is the gap. That yep. it seems to be that the kind of more powerful sibling relationships are within four years of each other. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, get your child, if they're an only child, around kids that are in that kind of age range. Okay, cool. They're going to be around them at school, but extracurricular activities are really important. It's not about every night of the week you're running to a different sport or yep. instrument class or whatever, but give them opportunities and then reinforce the relationship. Get those kids around to your house. Yeah. Get your kid around to their house get them doing stuff. The younger they are, the more important you scaffold it. So you don't just go, yeah, cool, I'll have, you know, six, five-year-olds around at my house for a whole day. That's guaranteed conflict. You go, cool, <laughs> you, you're good for about half an hour, you come round and I'm going to make sure every minute of it's planned. So we'll be doing ice cream, we'll be doing painting, we'll be doing tumbling, whatever. Yep. 
then you're out of here and it was a win. There was no conflict. Reinforce it, then praise you were so good. When they get older, you know, you stretch them, you give them more independence, give them more autonomy, but reinforce it. Go, this is a really cool part about you. You're actually really good with friendships and yep. relationships and things. So, yeah, I think that's a good point, like thinking practically about a parent. It's not like organised ballet one night, squash the next night. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm new at this. But it's like neighbours next door playing in the street drawing with chalk going for a ride around the block with the neighbour's kids, stuff like that. Like really impractical, just getting them around more kids. Yeah, totally. And I, I know like besides stealing their strawberries, you've got a really good community <laughs> with your neighbours. <laughs> so, Bringing that back, aren't you? <laughs> so, we had buried that. Yeah. That was very 2021. <laughs> so, you know, you've set up this opportunity with your kids so that they yep. will not just have each other as positive relationships. Mm. So yep. it's a beautiful thing you can do in your local community and those are the golden years. You know, you look back at your childhood, those were amazing when yeah. you kind of had people on the street you'd hang out with. Yeah, and hot tip, it's not about, like it's about their development. It's also about a chop out. So totally. it's like, yes, it's a learning experience, but also I as the parent don't have to do the one-to-one all the time because yeah. I'm better if I'm rested. It's our caveat. Definitely. Thing. Yeah, so it's like... Go play, like, and they'll figure it out. That's yep. what I kind of like to think about. Um, thank God yeah. for neighbours. Yes, yes, thank God for neighbours. We've just had and someone move in that's got a, a little child on our street. First, like, you know, neighbour with a little child. Mm. And we're like, amazing. That's really cool for us. And even, you know, we're planning on having, well, I'm planning on having lots oh, and lots of kids. Got a magic number. Like, got a magic number, do you? <laughs> well, just like, I love company. So <laughs> I figured that the more, Go join a more community people are group. stuck listening to me. <laughs> I'd say more kids, more pediatric work, like better for you. Yeah, more work. More examples of uh, how difficult this is in real life. Yeah, 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 yeah. More kids. Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm not saying the number, but it's, yep. Um, okay, awesome. I think that's really actionable. It's easy. I can, I can do those things. I really like the North Star. Like relationships trump everything. Yep. That's cool. In, in that with you've got a couple, but also I really like that like, where you're having one kid, one and done, awesome, just, you know, involvement with other kids of ages, you know, pre- preferably within a four-year gap, basically. Yeah. Preference, if, if you had a choice. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and I think it's important to, like, think about some of the stuff we have spoke about specifically and say, cool, like, I know kids that are on their own, like, if we've only got one child and that's our plan, they're going to be, you know, there's a good chance they're going to go okay academically and you watch this because every kid's different but I need to make sure that I really give them social opportunities. And then if yep. I've got heaps of kids, one thing that's really important with if you've got more than one child is you mm. kind of have protected time with each of them. So you go, oh, yeah. me and Ronnie always do this thing together and it's just a thing we do and it mm. happens kind of once a week and it can be a little thing that's really quick. And that shows Ronnie that like my relationship with my dad is really important and you do the same thing with Freddie. And that's the important thing is that you kind of – you, you reinforce the relationship they have with each other, but you also, with lots of kids, you've got to make sure you protect the relationship you have with each of them. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, slightly sorry. That was kind of as we we're wrapping up, throwing no, something new in there. Hey, no, but. I'm also agile. That justifies why I make pancakes for my daughter and smother yeah. them in Nutella because that's a ritual and that's how I show the time. Might not be the best thing for it. Yeah. You don't just make pancakes at home. You 
frequent the other PCP whoa, in hey, your life. Oh, yes, Pancake Parlor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On special there. occasions. <laughs> Again, was pre-pandemic open 24-7. <laughs> uh, just Great, wait. I haven't been there for Just you. wait, mate. A few more solids. I reckon years. Let me tell you, it's 6.30 on Sunday morning when everyone's up and it's pumping and yep. you're like, oh, we're all going, are we? Going to Pancake Parlor. It's very quiet, 24-7. Did you go to the Plaster Funhouse after that? I don't know what that is. Oh, it's where you'd like paint a blank plaster of like a gnome or a dragon or something. Oh. That used to be, they were next to each other where I grew up in Frankston. So really? You'd, yeah, you'd have the, the double double feature of Pancake Parlour and Ooh, Plaster like Funhouse, I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I don't know why those places disappeared. It must have been pretty cheap to just have yeah. 200 moulds of mache dinosaur. <laughs> So, but anyway, we're digressing. Here we are. We were wrapping up there. Um, <clears throat> if you too want your question <laughs> answered about whether it's how many kids, oh, I'm thinking of having more kids, how many should I have, or if you've got anything else, you can see we take feedback from the audience very seriously yes. and we do dedicate 50 minutes and 30-odd seconds to answering those questions, which I think is really cool. So um, please hit us up um, with your questions or topics or movies, anything at uh, Pop Culture Parenting at gmail.com or hit us up via Instagram at this stage. We've got a website coming very, very soon, uh, which is exciting, uh, yep. and you'll be able to enter those things there as well. So, yep, just hit us up uh, and leave some comments on any of the posts as well about anything you want to talk about. Um, treat it anonymously if you want, or otherwise we can tell everyone. Uh, easy. Yep, beautiful. Thanks, Nick. Beautiful, Billy. Thanks very much. <laughs>